Welcome to First 100K, the show where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, digging deep to find the tools, tactics, and superpowers that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also the owner of two co-working spaces here in Tampa, Florida, where I have the privilege of helping hundreds of entrepreneurs to start, launch, and grow their small businesses. Today, our featured guest is fearless entrepreneur, Jeremy Slate. Now, Jeremy is uh, a guy that is an entrepreneur himself. He's a hustler. He's from the Northeast, and that just means hustle. If you're from the Northeast, it better be. Otherwise, you're missing out. Uh, Jeremy helps entrepreneurs appear on top radio, top-rated podcasts all across the planet with his company, Command Your Brand Media. So we're going to talk about how he's doing it, how he made his first $100,000, and how you can too. So Jeremy, welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, brother. Dude, thanks for having me. And the, the thing the listeners are not going to know is this is our second go round of this. My internet just like totally died the first time we tried to do this. And it was just like the single most frustrating thing I've ever had to do in my entire life. I get into a great story and then no internet. Great story, no internet. So guys, we're going to have something full and, and streaming today. This is going to be great. So Joe, I, as you mentioned, I'm from the Northeast. I'm just outside of New York City. Um, Though the interesting thing about it is they, I'm from the part of the state where they can't really tell what part of the country I'm from because I don't really have an accent. Um, so, so there's you have that. an accent, bro. I, I have an accent. Come on, man. I, I get told like, I sound like I'm dude, from the Midwest. It cracks me up when people say they don't have an accent. It's those people <laughs> that have the biggest accent. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yours um, is so, subtle, though. Okay? Subtle. Okay, subtle. I'll take that. I'll take yeah. that. Um, so... I'm, I'm from New Jersey. I've uh, been a podcaster for about two years now. I've listened since 2009 um, when I started listening to uh, a podcast called No Agenda that just kind of makes fun of the news and stuff. It's great. Um, and I've had this company, Command Your Brain Media, for um, – we've had this, this brand for only about a month, um, but previously we've operated under the name Get Featured for uh, the last year. And uh, that's probably a lot of what I'm going to be digging into with you today. Um, I also have been married for a couple of years, and I have two dogs and a uh, miniature pig. Whoa. Miniature pig, bro. Gotta ask why. 30 seconds. Go. My wife's been asking me for five years. And then for our first wedding anniversary, I was like, so do you want a pig? And she kind of freaked out. It was great. We went on Craigslist, found a pig, drove to Connecticut. Pig. <laughs> okay. For all you bacon lovers out there, don't get any ideas. Oof, don't, I, wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far, man. He judges me every morning when I make it, but you know. <laughs> Because yeah, I could be a relative, bro. I'm just saying. That's cruel. Okay. So, <laughs> so Jeremy, take, let me gain my composure here. Take a minute and share with us something personal that very few people in your business life know about you. I am the biggest history nerd in the entire world. And most people don't realize it until I actually tell them because it's not something I broadcast. It's not something I really talk about. Um, but I've, I've got bookshelves lining the room that, that I'm in right now. You can probably actually see part of them behind me. Yeah. And, uh, what's, yeah, your fasc what's your fasci fascination with history? Um, I, I don't know, man. I always have this weird thing where it's like, I feel like I've been there before. But, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out at some point in time. So it's just it's really interesting to me. I love learning from people that have done things at a high level. Um, ancient history was a lot of where I spent my, my most time. Um, I was obsessed with Alexander the Great all through grad school. Took Latin for 12 years. So people wouldn't really know that about me um, unless I actually told them because it's not something I really broadcast. Now, didn't you say you also went to Oxford? I did. I did. I studied um, in 2009. I studied for a summer program at Oxford University and uh, was 
one of the coolest experiences in my life. And it's kind of yeah. one of those things you can hang your hat on, which is too uh, cool too. Cause it's like, yeah, I went to Oxford. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's just really kind of a great experience. And we, we did a lot of, I did a lot of um, liter Catholic literature there actually. Um, so wow. we did, we did like uh, Chesterton Lewis and stuff like that. And actually um, visited the bar that Lewis and Chesterton used to go to all the time called the Eagle and child. They used to go uh, once a week and just hang out and, and sh you know, shoot the, uh, proverbial crap about uh you know writing and stuff like that that must have been an amazing experience just knowing that like yeah. okay greatness sat right here yeah, seriously like, like seriously that's so cool yeah so uh just as an fyi for some of our listeners to this show i have a second podcast called broken catholic and on it i interview catholics um uh protestants atheists and agnostics about why the world isn't working right now because mm. we all get it's not working right all the hatred uh, divisiveness and all that so we talk about how do we create a world that works remove all the labels and just speak about the topics um that we all struggle with but nobody wants to admit mm. and uh, it's pretty cool pretty positive so maybe i'll have you as a guest on that hey, man, as, a, as a former theology major it's always stuff that's interesting to me <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm gonna have like dr scott Hahn on um yeah, yeah yeah he yeah, wrote yeah, the book so, the, the lamb supper i think didn't he yeah exactly so he's yeah. like one of the biggest guys out there but anyway this show is not about that why you gotta <laughs> steer, why you gotta steer the show in the wrong direction see how i just made you wrong now Okay, so let's get down to business, Jeremy. Our audience loves to know how much revenue did your business do last year, gross revenue approximately? Um, well, business says, so I have two different ones. So like in um, the nine months that we were in operation between Get Featured and also my podcast production company, um, we did about 140 total um, last year. So it wasn't the best, but that's what we grossed. And, uh, you know, I think this year coming up is going to look even better. Gotcha. What are you on track to hit this year? This year we're hoping to do 250. So um, nice. a lot of lot of better systems in place. Um, a lot of stuff like more systemized was the biggest thing. There were too many things that I had to do myself. So I uh, we've looked at bringing on some salespeople. Um, we've looked at doing some more, just more systemized stuff because it really well, makes a difference in what you're doing. Absolutely right. And I think as entrepreneurs we we all get that right. Okay, mm -hmm. people tell me I got to systemize it. I got to step out of the business. I'm wearing too many hats. Mm -hmm. All that stuff. How do you do that with such a, a small amount of revenue? 150,000 is tough to hire other people to kind of take some of those hats away from you as, a, as the owner. Well, I'll tell you what, we have one person that was a client relationship manager that's actually like a, an hourly, not a salary position. But, you know, there's been weeks where um, we didn't really make the revenue numbers we had to make and money I brought in from other businesses paid her salary because to me it was more important to basically have that handled because I think you can do a bigger picture that way. And then um, sales salespeople have just been commissioned. So that's not bad. Um, Let me ask you know, your question. Get paid in what they bring in. Yeah. Did she know that you were pulling revenue from other businesses uh, to pay her? No, there's no reason to tell her that. You know, okay. you know what I mean? Like, because I feel like that makes somebody feel bad and it's just they're doing a great job. So it's yeah. just kind of like you have to have a bigger vision beyond like where things are at right now. And if you, sometimes you have a rough week, man. Yeah. And you need, you need to make sure that you know, the client experience doesn't change and good staff's really hard to find. So you need to make sure that they are taken care of. I love that. Uh, did, did you have to negotiate with any of your team members, um, like work out a deal or uh, trade equity or, hey, this is the arrangement we'll make because revenue is so low, but I really need you on board. I really need you to take this task on. Did you have to do anything like that? And if so, go ahead and share. No, I, we didn't really have to do anything like that um, because it was more or less, um, 
Like I said, salespeople were commissioned. We actually just brought in our first two. So this is really new. I was doing all the selling before that. Um, and then the client manager we've had since February of last year. So we've had her for a while. Like she transitioned from working at Get Featured to working with us at uh, Command Your Brand just because we had a great relationship. She had been my wife's intern at, at her previous job. So, nice. you know, somebody that we've just had a relationship for for a while. And, you know, we paid her hourly. She does a great job. And yeah. so it wasn't really a big deal. So let's, let's talk about how you brought on uh, salespeople, right, with the commission, because mm -hmm. a lot of our listeners out there in Startup Nation, uh, they could really benefit from doing that right now in their business, yeah. right? Offloading some of the sales uh, work, the, the marketing work, et cetera. So how did you go about doing that? Just uh, take us to that place, what was going through your head, right? You have that psychological mindset of like, mm -hmm. nobody's going to sell as well as me. How do I trust them, et cetera, et cetera. Take us well, I, I will also say I'm not like, I, I don't know if I'm the best salesperson out there, but I do, I do, I do come at it from an angle of help. And I think yes. that always, that always is the best way to talk to a potential client. Um, but really that it's funny. Cause my wife was one that pushed me at that because she's kind of like, all right, well, you're great at content creation. You're great at creating, um, you know, relationships with people. She's like, you don't need to be doing all the selling too. Um, and then she manages, um, you know, a lot of the production side, a lot of PR strategy side. So she's like, listen, we need to get a salesperson. So we went in a couple Facebook groups um, that we knew the admin in and that we knew it would be okay if we posted, hey, we're hiring. Um, and we picked up a couple leads that way, got a couple people on the phone. Um, and then we put them through um, like a getting started like course. So they take like a LinkedIn course first because that's where we generate a lot of our leads from is from LinkedIn. Um, and then um, they go through a lot of our different business processes. Like how do we operate the sales call? Like if somebody says this, what do you say? So we have these things called like, what do you do drills basically? where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the person that's objecting to what you have to say and you have to figure out, you know, what do you do in that situation? So it's, you know, our training isn't the best. It's still developing, but I feel like that for us, that was the best way to do it. Just throw up a post in a couple of Facebook groups where we knew the admin and we knew it was cool. We knew it was targeted. So we knew who was in that group. Mm. And, um, you know, that was really the best way to find somebody. And like I said, had my wife not pushed me, I would have just been like, all right, I can do this. This is going to be great. I can do everything. But you never grow like that, right? Sometimes you need that exterior viewpoint to tell you that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I really like uh, what you shared uh, briefly there about you put your salespeople through a LinkedIn training course. Mm -hmm. um, so because you pull a lot of your leads uh, for your business off of LinkedIn. Now I could say firsthand, I'm learning from that right there. And I'm kind of like, hey, Jeremy, can you share that LinkedIn course? Because I'll tell you, we know a lot of our clients for co-working space, mm -hmm. office space are on LinkedIn. We suck at marketing on LinkedIn. Well, I'll have to find it for you. I don't know it off the top of my head because uh, I've been taking it. Like, I think the guy's like Indian or something like that. So he's got a little yeah. bit of an accent, but it's like great stuff. It's like a lot of how you write your headline, how you write your profile, how you interact with people. Very cool. Um, so it's, it's cool stuff. So I would really recommend people just double down on LinkedIn for this next year. It's going to be a big deal. Very cool. And if you guys are listening in Startup Nation uh, and you want to get your hands on this, this uh, LinkedIn course, um, then go ahead and reach out to Jeremy and he may or may not. Uh, share that with you. It's just because I don't remember it right now, man. Exactly. I'll, totally, I'll totally help them out. <laughs> exactly. Right. But you got to listen to the end of this podcast in order to possibly get that. So Jeremy, we love to listen to the wisdom of millionaires and billionaires, right? But it's so difficult to relate to them. Mm -hmm. They're up here and 90% of entrepreneurs are right here struggling to make their first hundred thousand dollars. Right. Right. So take us to that place. Tell us that story of year one in this business where you're struggling to make that first 100K to get over that hurdle, uh, things aren't working out, what's going on, 
paint us a picture, take us there. Hmm. Well, I could go back a little further because you, the, with the current business, like, like we had the, the one we just moved out of and that actually moved really, really fast. It's just that my business partner and I had different ideas on where we wanted things to go. And that was the only reason we transitioned. Um, so earlier than that is probably when I first got into entrepreneurship in like 2013, I jumped into network marketing full time, which is kind of like, I saw this, this presentation and it's not to say network marketing is a bad thing. Like I learned a lot from it, but I had no idea what it was. Like I'm from a small town, it's five eighths of a mile. So I see this presentation and I'm like, dude, I'm going to be like a, a millionaire in like three days. It's going to be amazing. Like, like I'd never even like fathomed that much money before. I didn't know that existed. They're just like showing this presentation. I just see this number going up and all these people. And I'm just like, whoa, this is like, this is ridiculous. So How then, come everyone's not doing yeah, this? Exactly. Exactly. So, so needless to say, I did not make a million dollars in the next month, but I did um, call the school where I was a teacher and like, I got something new. I quit. Um, that was not the best decision because I'll tell you what, man, that scared the hell out of me for the next probably about a year. Um, because that, uh, that network marketing position did start to work out, but it took about six months and it wasn't something long-term sustainable. So I kind of went from there into a couple different things, but I, I called my, my boss at the time and he's like, are you crazy? Like, like you're quitting to do what? I haven't even heard of that. What is that? Um, well, I could show you it. Um, so, so there was kind of this like this really weird like thing. I remember telling my, my dad, who's like this guy, like neither of my parents went to college. So they're both like super, super blue collar. Yeah. So like I had achieved their dream of, you know, going to college and like working at a, at a private school. So he's like, my dad's like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I want to create my own life, dad, podcast name. And he's like, well, good luck with that, buddy. So it was kind of a lot of, figuring things out. And I just remember the worst situation. And part of that was six months in, I had built it. I was still living at home because my mom had had a stroke and I was helping take care of her at that point in time. And uh, I had set up an office in my parents' basement. And at that point I had put about $12,000 in credit cards, just trying to make things work. And I just remember like staring at the wall and just starting to like cave in, like, holy crap, like what, what is going to happen? And it was a really, really, really rough place to be in. And, you know, the interesting thing about that is you, you kind of have to get your attention off of yourself and you go out, you take a walk, you start looking at things around, you realize it's not that bad and try and figure a way out of it. So for me, it was like, all right, um, I need to figure out more of a monetization model. So I actually started, um, I had been personal training off and on over the years. And that's when I got into that to kind of at least supplement my income while I was doing all this other stuff. And that's one of the biggest pieces of advice I give people is while you're building something, have some sort of income because you're going to make better decisions. I get that. So as you're sitting there staring at the wall and just all that self doubt is creeping in, right? Mm -hmm. All that, like, what did I do? Like, like what this, was this the wrong decision? You know, I can't believe this, right? There's shame, there's guilt. There's all these, these emotions that run through our heads, right? Sure. As, as entrepreneurs, did you in the, that moment uh, reach out for help or did you kind of just try to figure it out on your own? I'll, I'll tell you what, Joe, that's the one thing about myself I don't like. Um, I'm too headstrong. So I tend to not ask people's advice and I know I should. Mm -hmm. um, what I'm do you think keeps I'm you certain. from doing it, from asking for help? We don't want to be wrong. You know what I mean? Like we don't want to be wrong. Like for me, the biggest thing was um, I, when, I, when I had started doing this, like I broke off a lot of like friendships and stuff like that because this upset a lot of people and I upset a lot of people, frankly, by the way I was doing it. So I had to be right and, and basically prove them wrong for doubting me or doing whatever. And if I asked for help or if I went outside of that, it would mean I was failing. You, you know what I mean? So it was kind of like I was in this spot that I had to try and figure a way out of it. 
And I actually, I filled out some job applications at the time, man. I didn't know what else to do. Um, but luckily like personal training, it wasn't really hard for me to go like and put an ad on like a thumbtack or something like that and pick up a few leads pretty quickly. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Cause that's real startup nation. You know, sometimes not sometimes it's human for all of us to try to look good or to avoid looking bad. Right. Those are like the two main things that we spend literally most of our lives doing. Think mm -hmm. about it on all our social media. That's what we're doing. We're trying to look good or we're trying to avoid looking bad. One of those two things. And sometimes or many times we miss out on just living and creating and, and doing our dreams, right? Building it because we're so worried about the opinion of others. What will people say? You know, here's Jeremy sharing his heart, his gut, you know, saying like, man, I went into something and I jumped in quick and I did it in not the best way. And I'm, I'm, I was probably pitching and presenting network marketing to my family, my friends, and just pushing people away, right? Just repelling my, my own circle of trust. And it, that's, that's tough, man. So now to look back at that and to go, okay, how do I like lift my head back up and walk back in and say, guys, I made a mistake or guys, I messed up or guys, I need help. Who can help? Um, man, that's, that's rough. I, I still never did that though, Joe. I'll, I'll be honest. Like I never apologized to those people because I kind of ruined those relationships so bad. So it's, you kind of got to look at it and realize that, you know, sometimes, you know, there's other people that exist other than yourself and you have to kind of get outside of that. Yeah. So first off, I just want to acknowledge you for getting so real right there. And if you're watching this video, you could see Jeremy is like choked up right now, right? Because those people, they mean something to him. Right. And who are the people in your life, Startup Nation, that maybe you've pushed away in pursuing your dream um, in the sake of success or in the name of success? Right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it on my own. It's all about me. And I can speak firsthand. Jeremy, I am right there with you, bro. Yeah, I have done it, man. I've I, you know, I was in sales most of my career and everything like that. And I would push people. I would sell people like my family, my friends and everything and just be aggressive. And uh, I, I repelled a lot of the people that loved me and cared about me. Um, so I challenge you, uh, Startup Nation, if you're in the same place as Jeremy, um, and, I, and I challenge you, Jeremy, as well, right? Um, it takes a lot of courage to go back to those relationships and not just leave them hanging out there. And it's never too late. It could be a year later, two years later. It could be 10 or 20 years later. And just to clear it up, clean it up, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we create messes in our life and we just let them go but the mess still is there. And well, I, I think that's right? the biggest thing though, Joe, like is, is we, we look at sometimes we look at the way somebody's communicating at us and we're like, Oh, he's such a jerk. He's such a this, he's such a that, but you have to look at things a lot of times and, and just kind of like, you don't have to always think you're the bad guy, but you have to kind of look at things and say, okay, well, what did I do to cause that? You know, yeah. what could I have, what could I have done differently that could have caused that reaction? And we have to realize a lot of times that we do create a lot of the own, the issues that we like to say people are doing to us. I love that. Right. And, you know, Jeremy, you're bringing up a great wisdom bomb right there, which is taking responsibility for our part in every part of our life. Mm -hmm. Right. So if we look at our life and we see an area that's not working, ask yourself the question, what's my part in that? Mm -hmm. How did am I, I am I retreating from that? Am I retreating from that area? Yeah, exactly. How did I contribute to that, that mess in that area? How did I contrib contribute to that unworkability there? Rather than look at the other person, that, that's easy, right? That takes no effort to point and blame. 
mm-hmm. right? But to look at yourself takes courage. And that's the real test. Are you courageous enough as an entrepreneur to look at your part in all the relationships in, a, in your life? Because if you truly want success in business, Jeremy, you know this, I know this. It's all about people. Mm-hmm. It's all about the relationships, isn't it? Absolutely, man. It, it totally is. And the, I think the one thing you will find, though, is to, you, you need to figure out a way to evaluate those relationships because you may find some of those people shouldn't have been in your life anyway. So you just you need to definitely find a way to take a look at that and you know, not, always, not always say, oh, I'm a jerk, but like also look at how you can take responsibility for it. 100% in agreement, right? So if there's people that are toxic that when you start to rise up, they start to rip at you, right? Or pull you back into the bucket of crabs, as they say, right? Yeah, you want to remove those uh, relationships. So Jeremy, let's take this all the way around. You've hired a sales team. You're building your company, right? You're, you're able to scale it now. Um, what is your specific superpower? What's the one thing that you do not delegate out to anyone because it's literally the area that you're irreplaceable in? Adding value to others. Um, like I'm really, really good at creating new relationships for whatever it is I'm doing. I just genuinely like people and I just want to see people do well. So I, I, I don't know. I just feel like people don't just don't do that in the way I do. I'll, I'll see two people that I think like you just feel like, oh, these people make beautiful music together and you just want to like put them together. And those are things that just pay you back down the road. And it's just, um, you know, like marketing copy, somebody else can write that, you know, website design, somebody else can do that. But nobody's going to treat people the way I'm going to in the area of relationships. So I, and I think that like in the big, like the big vision of something you're creating, that's the most important thing. I love that, bro. What a vital superpower, right? Because you're contributing to humanity right there, mm-hmm. connecting people, really just rising people up. So client relations, like if we just had to put a corporate name to it or a business title to it, client relations, that's your superpower in your business. Is that mm-hmm. accurate or not? Um, that and like partnership, I'd say. Like, you know okay. what I mean? Like, like who are, like, are we going to do, you know, do business with? Who's going to refer to us? Things like that I'm great at. Fantastic. All right. So Startup Nation, if you're hearing Jeremy and you can relate to him right now, you know, what's your superpower in your business? And once you find that superpower, let go of everything else, just like Jeremy's doing, right? He's hiring it out. He's finding revenue. He's pulling revenue from other sources in order to pay people in order to do those things so that he can scale, he can grow, and he could do his superpower on a larger scale. Yeah, absolutely. Jeremy, we all have fears especially our first year in business, right? What would you say was the number one fear um, that was really holding you back from getting over that first 100K hurdle? Um, It's kind of something we already talked about, but I, I, um, I was always picked on a lot as a kid. So as a converse, I like, I want everybody to like me Mm. and you can't go into business wanting everyone to like you. You make some really bad decisions if you, if you want everyone to like you. And it doesn't mean you just go around insulting everyone, but it does mean like you can't make decisions based on what's good for other people. You have to kind of, kind of evaluate the data of what's there and make a decision on it. You can't make decisions for how people like you. So, how, many, how many people do you think in our audience of Startup Nation, uh, have, like what percentage of like humanity do you think go through that? God, man, I think it's, it's gotta be more than 50%. Like, you know what I mean? Like a lot, I think there's so many of us that we just, we just want people to like us. You know what I mean? We just, we just, we want to be likable, but you can't, you can't go into business like that. You can't go into business where you want everybody to like you. Sometimes you have to say the things that are difficult to say, or sometimes you have to not make a deal, even though you really like somebody. So you have to kind of look at that. 
So it's a good, it's a good need, right? To, to want to be loved and accepted, right? It's human. Yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely, right? However, in business, sometimes it can be a disadvantage, right? So mm-hmm. how did you like really get past that where that likability wasn't so much um, something you were striving for with everybody? How did you make that transition to not caring you know, about people's opinions of you and what you're doing and really stick to your vision, right? Because that's not an easy thing to do. Well, there, there's, you- there's two ways. And I recommend people definitely do the first one, which is I just listened to a lot of Grant Cardone. Um, and the second way is the way I'd recommend nobody does. And that's get screwed over so many times that you realize people have other, you know, other ideas about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I don't recommend people do the school of hard knocks like I did. That wasn't fun. Um, putting myself in a lot of bad positions. So I finally realized, huh, wow, okay, you know, not everybody's going to be, um, you know, so uh, prolific about just caring about people. So you have to kind of, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend people do it that way. Um, you know, get, get the right training first and kind of kind of learn about what's out there. Yeah, and I think you also run the risk of going through the school of hard knocks, right? Uh, you end up at the end where you can easily, either get bitter or better. Mm-hmm. Right. And many people choose to get bitter about humanity and everybody's got an agenda. The world's out to get me and, and they become the victim now in their lives. So yeah. you spoke about Grant Cardone as option one. That's the one you recommend. Break that down for us. Um, what, what do you mean by that? Well, he's just got this amazing viewpoint um, that he's able to like, I don't know, like, like you, you it, his audiobooks especially, like he yells at you. It's great. And it's just like, but I don't like getting yelled at, Jeremy. Oh, you need to learn to get yelled at, Joe. Come on. <laughs> but, it's, but it's just like, it, it's just like realizing like other people aren't going to care about what you're doing. And you got to understand like you, you can't care about somebody else's situation because it doesn't pay your bills. So it's, it's really just realizing you have to go for a goal and sometimes you're going to deal with some human emotion. And that's what it is. And you just got to work around it. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's just that viewpoint to be able to have that. And sometimes it's just really nice to see somebody that has it. You know, it, you're raising um, this thought in my head of like, you ever go to networking groups and like... I avoid them like the plague because right, there's right, one but, guy that follows everybody around and wants to give him his business card. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But think about like when you first went out there and you started networking because it was like what you should do as a business owner. And like some of us are shy, so we don't want to go over to people and we don't want to like, you know, say hi and introduce ourselves. And something that helped get me over that hurdle was... Um, I think someone mentioned it to me. They're like, listen, do you realize that every other person in this room is concerned about how they're coming across and how they look to others, Mm -hmm. including you? Exactly. And they're equally scared, right? And Mm -hmm. when you get that, when you really like own it here and then in your heart, that the rest of the world is more concerned about how they look than about you and how you look and how you're coming across or anything like that. And, And you really own that most of the world really doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Like they don't take the time to care because they're so caught up in their own stuff, their own navel gazing, right? So to speak. And it's like, there's freedom in that, in, in that insight. Well, I'll, I'll give you, up. I'll give, I'll give you one better on that. Um, Noah Kagan has this thing called the coffee challenge. And um, you go into a Starbucks and you ask for either a free muffin or 10% off your order. And uh, because most likely you're definitely going to get turned down. But uh, he does this with all of his employees to teach them to get okay with rejection because you're, you're basically asking for something you're never going to get. And the surprising thing is sometimes you actually get something. Like he's like one of the one time somebody got a free muffin, somebody got like 50% off and a free coffee. So it's called the coffee challenge. You go ask for something free or a discount next time you go to Starbucks. 
I love it, right? And amazingly enough, like I've done this, like when I check out at Publix, the supermarket or whatever, or any place, I just go, I, I look at the person. First, I say hi, and I acknowledge them as a human being, right? Right. But, uh, and I'm not being manipulative. I'm just being me. And I'll be like, so, like, do you have like a nice guy discount? They're like, <laughs> like, what? I'm like, a nice guy discount, you know? And they'll be like, Okay. And literally, I would say more than 50% of the time when I ask for it, right. people will give me their employee discount. They'll take 20% off. I probably save over $10,000 a year just asking playfully, and I'm not attached to the outcome, hey, can I get a discount on this? Mm-hmm. And it's like huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I get that challenge. Okay, cool. Um, biggest aha moment you've had first year in business? Um, biggest thing too is, is realizing that I can't do it all. Like for me, that was the biggest thing. I know we've kind of covered that a little bit, but it was already realizing like, you're never going to grow if your attention is trying to handle everything. So it was like finding people that are better than me at each different thing so that I can do what I'm better at. So it's to, to me, that's just really was my biggest realization was the biggest aha moment is kind of like, you're going to stay small if you stay small because it's just you small. Right. So it's yeah. that for me was the biggest aha. Was there any fear of like when you're hiring people smarter than you, any fear that you're making yourself obsolete? Not really, because I've always kind of worked by this opinion of um, like, you should always be working yourself out of a job, right? Mm. Um, because if you really want to create a, a big business and create freedom in a business, the, the best way to do that is to create jobs that are easily duplicatable and where you're continually working yourself out of a job. It's like, all right, I'm delivery now. Okay, cool. Well, okay. I'm manager now. Okay. Well now I'm actually CEO because you know, there's so many people that are like, you go on LinkedIn and they're like founder and CEO of a one employee company, which is just them. So, you know what I mean? It's just like, you have to kind of realize that's, that's a job you're working your way into and you're continually working yourself out of a job. Um, if you're really building something cool. So I get that, right? So you're actually never, uh, re um, how do I want to say it? There is no actual fear there because you're always putting, stacking people underneath you, mm -hmm. right? You're always stacking people underneath you. And in doing so, you keep rising up, rising up until mm -hmm. however level that, that goes. That makes a lot of sense. What's the best uh, business advice that you've ever received personally? Um, in 2013, I was talking to a guy named uh, Patrick Valton, who's actually uh, down in your area, I think, somewhere. He's down in uh, either Clearwater or Tampa, somewhere in there. And uh, he gave me some great advice where he said, take a look at everything you're doing and see if it actually aligns up with where you want to be in your life. And I was kind of like, wow, <laughs> it doesn't line up at all. And it took me a, quite a while to actually like do that exercise and take a look at where it all was. Yeah. Um, but once I did, I was kind of like, all right, no more network marketing. Okay, no more personal training. Um, okay. Digital marketing's okay. I'll go over that way. It was kind of like realizing a lot of these things I was doing had nothing to do with where I wanted to be. Are you willing to share with, money. yeah. Are you willing to share with startup nation? What that looks like, where, where it is that you're going, where you want to be. It's funny because I find that like, once you really get where you want to be, it because well, not get where you want to be, but get on the right path to where you want to be. Cause I'm going to say it, I have a long way to go, man. But it's like, once you get more on purpose, you don't care as much about the money. You care about what you're creating and you care about how you're helping. And that's the biggest thing is I want to give voice um, to a million CEOs and founders because like, imagine what that would be like. Imagine like to, to be able to tell their story on that level and what that could do. So like when you look at it like that, like you're going to, you're going to do pretty well for yourself if you achieve that goal. Right? So let's go achieve that goal. You know what I like about that goal? It has nothing to do with you. It's all about them. Mm-hmm.
because their stories are powerful, man. It can change people's yeah. lives and not even just their own lives. I love it. All right, cool. Now, if you could just drop one piece of advice for our audience, like what is the one thing you want all our entrepreneurs out there who are struggling to make their first $100,000, what's the one thing that you want to leave them with? Read a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. And he talks about why, um, am I allowed to swear on the show? Sure. Okay. He goes, following your passion is bullshit. And he goes, said, the reason is, is because your passion doesn't always pay your bills. He said, find something you're good at, get really darn good at it. And you'll find that once you're really good at it and it's simple, you get passionate about it. So I would definitely check out the book. So good. They can't ignore you by Cal Newport. Got it. Love it. All right. Share one of your daily habits back then your first year in business that helped you get over the hundred thousand dollar mark. Having a, a fitness routine in the morning. Um, I've been huge into like taking care of myself and making sure I work out every day. Um, taking a five minute cold shower every morning, all that kind of stuff to just get my body in the right place to perform. And I think that's kind of allowed me to handle a lot more and deal with a lot more because I've kept myself in good shape. Got it. Yeah. You need that uh, phys physical energy, right? Mm-hmm in order to perform psychologically, right? Emotionally, all that stuff. What about right now uh, at this stage of your business? You're at 140, 150, 160,000 a year. Is it still the same daily habit or do you have a new one? Still the same daily habit, man. So it's working for you. I don't change what works. <laughs> I love it, bro. Okay, cool. Uh, what's your favorite website, app or digital resource? Mm, I actually just started using um, Sumo's welcome mat and um, yeah. it, it just 10 X my email opt-ins. So if they're not using welcome mat, I check that out. Cool. Yeah. We use it here. Cool. Uh, so Jeremy, we're about to head into the hustle round. So this is where I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. Just say the first thing that comes to you. Are you ready, sir? All right. All right. Here we go. What's your favorite sound? Uh, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> Against Deutschland, it is the half. <laughs> oh my gosh, that caught me off guard. Okay, what's your least favorite sound? Uh, scratching on a chalkboard. Got it. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? An astronaut. What are you most afraid of, Jeremy? Uh, living in a box. It's actually, that's the nightmare I have recurringly, but go ahead. Is that like metaphysical? No, 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 no. Like living in, a, living in a box on a street somewhere is my biggest nightmare. Okay, so being like homeless. Yeah, got it. What do you spend? What did you spend way too much time doing your first year in business? Buying stupid little apps instead of putting like working systems in place and trying to find shortcuts. Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? That they don't like me. I get it. I think many of us can relate to that. What do you wish you had learned sooner in your business? Who to trust. Mm, big one. What is a new habit you want to form? Um, I'd like to be an earlier riser. Okay. What time are you rising every morning now? Seven o'clock. And what time would you want to wake up? 5 a.m. Got it. And what is a bad habit that you'd like to break? Staying up too late. <laughs> you see how one leads to the other. Yeah, exactly. Those, right. Those two are totally connected. That was too easy. <laughs> You just had your transformation. Well done. Okay. <laughs> um, pick three words to describe. Yeah. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Uh, kind, perceptive, and fit. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you were day one of your business. Angry, 
short-tempered, and fit. <laughs> at, least, at least you got fit, right? <laughs> so back then you were like a badass fit guy. <laughs> All right, cool. Got it. All right. Uh, imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Did you steal this from me? No. Oh, okay. I asked the same question. Yeah, that's because um, the question's out there. And it's a good question, you know? He added value to the world. He added value to the world. Done. Love it. And if you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? It's hot down there. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it was all worth it. <laughs> <laughs> After the it's hot down there, it was all worth it. That was just a joke. I'm just going to go with it. It was all worth it. <laughs> Got it. Thanks for bringing levity to the show. It's pretty awesome, man. Jeremy, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Uh, they can check out everything business related over at commandyourbrand.media and actually put together a checklist for them so they can become a great podcast guest at commandyourbrand.media slash checklist. And uh, everything personal is over at jeremyryanslate.com. Gotcha. And I'm going to give you a chance to do a little plug here, right? So for some of our listeners out there for Startup Nation, what's the one benefit they would get by working with you? Is positioning their story and then finding out how to market it correctly after they get on a podcast. Because those are the two things I find most people are missing. A lot of people can get on shows, but they don't know how to get on the right ones and what to do with it. Gotcha. And share one success story in 30 seconds of one of your clients. We have a client, I can't take all the credit in the world for this because his backend funnels were amazing, but he did a half a million in two months. Boom, love it. Jeremy, thanks for joining us today and I wish you peace, love, and superpowers. Cheers. Thanks, brother. You got it. Startup Nation, head over to first100k.com for even more tools, tactics, and tricks that you can use to go from A to 100K. I'm Joseph Warren and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day and I'll see you at the top. Cheers.